0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now.
2: Welcome to the Sterling Goodbyes podcast with me, Karen Rice. I'm joined today by Pamela Addison, and Emma Charlesworth, Pamela in New Jersey, and Emma in Kent in the UK. Uh, Both ladies lost their husbands to COVID-19 in April 2020. Martin Addison, Pamela's husband, was 44, and Charlie, Emma's husband, was 45. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Nine months on, you two have become friends and you now share a bond and a deep connection after losing your husband both of your husbands to COVID-19 and I just wanted to ask really how that came about how you connected I don't know whether I don't know Emma or Pamela whether you want to
0: yeah I, I don't mind starting so basically when my episode aired Um, of the Stolen Goodbyes podcast, Pamela reached out to me. She dropped me a message on Messenger just to say, read your podcast, I've heard your podcast. So many similarities. And I just wanted to, you know, say hi and send my love almost. And then Pamela's podcast was released the following week. And I listened to it on, and the similarities are actually very scary, down to the fact that both our husbands experienced their first symptoms on the same day, 22nd of March which in itself and, and I think it's just it's just gone from there you know it's the the thing with going through this experience is you need people that have gone through it who understand what you're going through and you know just whenever I've heard Pamela speak and I'm just like she could be speaking about me she could be talking about my story and so it's just nice to have that connection I think
2: you mentioned the same symptoms on the same day
1: when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's when Martin felt his first symptom. So like immediately, then I was like, you know, it was like those in books, it's like attention grabber. So once she said that, I was like, oh, I need to listen to this podcast. And like, even like the call she explained, it was like, oh my gosh, that was what I had to go through and the surgery, you know, trying to get him off the vet. And I was just like, this is crazy that like this person will totally understand because, you know, until... I heard that, like, I hadn't heard about people's experiences with COVID and, like, losing a husband. So the minute it ended, I was like, I have to message her because her story is just like mine and she truly understands. Was
2: it the fact that both of your husbands were in hospital and you couldn't be with them? Was that part of it? Was that all of it? Or was there something more?
1: Yeah, I think that's the whole experience like how you know you you thought like when she when her husband was at home too like you thought they were going to get better like martin i thought he was going to get better like i didn't think he was ever going to have to go to the hospital or just going to pass you know the day before he died you know he was on a telemed appointment and the doctor said covid was running its course and he should start feeling better you know but then the next morning i'm calling 911 so it's just like that fact that like he went on that ambulance and I thought he was coming home. I didn't think he wasn't gonna ever step into my house again. And I feel like <laughs> to Emma.
0: Yeah. And that was the same, you know, we, we did,
1: it's the equivalent
0: in the UK, but we spoke to 111 on the Saturday and were told, yeah, pretty sure you've got it. But again, they weren't testing in the UK at that time. The only way you were getting a test was if you were actually in hospital, pretty sure you've got it. But you know, the most severe symptoms would come out in the first couple of days sounds like you just need to ride its course and you know get better and then that was on the Saturday night at about nine o'clock in the evening and then 3am on the Monday morning I was phoning 999 getting the paramedics in the house you know it was so so scarily similar
2: and so I mean obviously you connected you just got each other
0: yeah yeah
1: I mean like sometimes she would post something and I'd be like, oh my goodness, I feel that way. Or I would see something and she, I had seen her post about it. Like, so I sent her like how to survive the holidays. Cause I remember seeing a post that, you know she just didn't know how she was going to do it. But then I saw this beautiful like illustration of like how you might be able to like survive the hol- the first holiday. And I was like, I have to send this to Emma because it was like exactly what she needed at the time. Yeah, and not
0: just, things like that they just mean so much because I do think you know I've got I have an amazing support network I you know with my friends and my family but they don't they don't know what this is like you know when I sit there going because you know on my previous episode I spoke about how much Charlie adored Christmas and how hard Christmas was going to be to us and as it crept ever closer that that got harder and harder and I was like I just don't know how I'm meant to do this and then yeah the 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 message that Pamela sent me with the how to survive the holidays and it's it was just different tips to survive with grief, you know, do what you need to do and it's all right to cry and you don't have to make do the same traditions. And you know, it was just so lovely that someone had seen that and gone, this is what she needs right now. She needs this.
2: So that was a a massive comfort then. Yeah. And there was an idea to was it use your husband's shirts to was it to make a blanket and ornaments or
0: yeah, so um, we've turned all of his Christmas clothes. We got a Christmas teddy bear um, made, um, Charlie Bear. Um, and we've also got a blanket. So all of they, those got turned in. They turned up on like the 22nd of December. So we snuggled up under those around Christmas. And then some of his ashes have been turned into Christmas
1: decorations
2: for the tree as well. So
1: he was very much a part of Christmas.
2: Oh my but word, you know. that's lovely. Yeah.
1: yeah. I had made my kids teddy bears out of the shirt my husband wore for their baby photo shoots. So I still had both of them in the closet. So each of them had a bear. And then out of the leftovers, the person made two Christmas ornaments for them. So they were hearts, so they could hang them on the tree. Mm Because my husband and I would always give each other an ornament when we were decorating the tree. So I continued that tradition. And then I saw her with the blankets, uh, blanket. And my husband, like Martin didn't have the extensive um, holiday attire that Charlie did but I was like oh I've already saved all my husband's like sports shirts cuz I'm like going to have a sports one made and then like two about the kids because he bought like shirts that say like daddy and stuff so um I was like oh I'm going to do that so it's just so funny that we're far away and we have like the same ideas about what we can do with our husband's things so that they're still part of our lives and their and our children's lives
2: so is it a case that you're sort of sharing the ups and downs of grief? Absolutely. But, but being sort of so far away, I mean, the distance is irrelevant. Just you're connected. and
1: Yeah. Like if yeah. I'm having a bad day, sometimes I'll message her. And I just like, I'm going to vent about something, you know, and then she totally understands it. And then of course I always ask how she is and she'll tell me her story, but it's like that back and forth feeling like validated that, you know, she understands and then, like, gives me some positive outlook it's just nice that's what you need
0: <laughs> yeah and i think i think that's i think that's right and i think you know the distance it doesn't really matter i think with this because as i say the similarities and the illness and everything that we've gone through you know don't get me wrong it would be lovely if pamela was just down the road so that when this nightmare is over we could meet for coffee and go out for drink and all of that and, and that's that's not right but otherwise it doesn't matter where where we are in the world that common bond and that that feeling of god someone gets this and i've got someone i can rant at and you know even if there's been a couple of occasions you know it's been a really tough month for me but there's been a few occasions where you know pamela sent a note and i might not have gone back to her for a couple of days because i'm just like i've got nothing i and i'm not looking at my phone or i'm not looking at messages and i don't see it but there's no expectation that, that, that when I do then go back and go, right, well, this is how it's been for the last couple of days. It's just really tough. Someone doesn't judge you and someone is not sitting there going, well, I've asked how you are and you've not come back to me. You know, there's just, there's none of that. It's just total acceptance, which means a hell of a lot at the moment.
2: How has the last nine months been for you, Emma? Up and down, I think
0: is the easiest way of describing it. You know, we've, we, we were just starting my daughter and i to kind of find a new rhythm and a little bit of a new normal and then the next lockdown happened and we're in kent in the uk which was really badly hit so kent went into a really really tough lockdown just before christmas and that that that's really hit us hard this time around this lockdown we just started to start being able to see friends not doing massive amounts but you know i had been able to go into my office a couple of times which was just i only went in twice into london but it was just so nice. It was like I could almost leave everything at the door and then go in and just be me for those seven hours. And, you know, and it, it just felt normal um, to the point that there was one day where I'd had this really daft morning and I got to lunchtime and Charlie and I would ring each other every lunchtime without fail. We'd ring each other. Um, and I kind of got to lunchtime and I was like, oh, Charlie's going to love this story. And I picked my phone up to ring him. That's how normal my life felt, just being in my office. Um, And then I picked my phone up and then went, oh, I I can't do that. He's he's not here, like, but it, it had just been normal. So I think this lockdown has really hit hard. And I think, you know, I think subconsciously, and I hadn't even realized I was doing it, but subconsciously it was like, keep his memory alive, keep his memory alive, get to Christmas, keep his memory alive, get to Christmas, just get to Christmas. And I got to Christmas and then grief hit really badly around the 28th of December. To the point that it was a struggle to get out of bed each morning. You know, I was off work, we, I could have been doing some really lovely stuff with my daughter, and I it was all I could do to get out of bed each day. And even if I did, I was then just so mentally and physically exhausted. Um, and I I spoke to work when I was due to go back after Christmas and said, I can't do this. I can't come back. I haven't got it in me. I'm I'm tired. I haven't got any energy. And I took a couple of weeks out because I just couldn't have done it. It
2: was just too hard.
0: Um, so it's been it's been up and down. I think would be my summary of the last nine months.
2: But you got through Christmas though. In we did with your daughter. Yeah. I mean, hats off. Yeah,
0: it was it was it was around the twenty seventh, twenty eighth that I crashed.
2: Yeah. How was your daughter? Is it Rebecca?
0: Yeah. So Rebecca, I I mean we went to my sister on Christmas Day, so she was with her cousins, and you know she's a child and waking up on Christmas morning and there's this, I got this great photo of her on Christmas morning. That was just the sparkle in her eye and the magic that Santa had been and the presence and the innocence. That's what childhood should be like. She shouldn't have gone through what she's gone through. She shouldn't have witnessed her dads be taken out of the house by three paramedics in the middle of the night. None of that should have happened to her. Um, So just to see that innocence and that just, excitement was just so rewarding it was it was just so lovely and we got a puppy two weeks before christmas um and he's brought a new element of joy to her life as well like has just it's a new energy in the house and yeah the sparkle that he has put in her eyes is just so lovely to see and so they were having fun on christmas morning with wrapping paper
2: brilliant well done well done thank you Um, really but what about you Pamela not last nine months
1: I mean it's been up and down as well I mean I have my good my bad days I think from my standpoint like a lot of what was going on in the U.S. um, Mm -hmm. definitely had some impact on how I was feeling on certain days and just even now seeing those numbers knowing that there's just more and more people entering this club of someone to COVID is like, what really sometimes just gets me down. Like, I don't even know who those people are, but to see that like 4,000 people have died this, you know, today, like during a day, Mm -hmm. like really just sinks my heart because I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's so many more people going through what I was going, what I've been going through. And then you think it's like been nine months. Why is this still happening? Like in such a huge way, like, I thought like when Martin died, everything was going to start getting better, but it still is like in this incredibly sad place. And, you know, there's hope with the new administration. So that's like a little bit good, but obviously I put like my grief, like into like doing things. I think it's like giving me energy to like do things. So like setting up that Facebook group. So there's people who, you know, I can relate to and support sometimes when I'm in like a good place but, you know, sometimes I feel like when someone's sharing their story, it's like I notice I had forgotten about that with my own story. And it, like, brings me back to, oh, my goodness, that happened to me, too. So I think, like, I have, like, these things that I've, like, put away that I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to face yet. And, like, when someone's sharing, it's like, oh, my goodness, that was, I totally forgot you, about that. Can you give an example of that or... I'm trying to think. I was on a Zoom call the other weekend and I someone was talking and I don't remember what it was, but I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that that had happened to me." Oh, feeling angry. So when Martin got the positive result, I was a little mad that he had brought COVID into my house because I'm a diabetic. I was worried. I had a 5-month-old. I worried about Elsie. So I was just like a little upset that I know it wasn't his fault. He went to work, but I was like angry that it was in our house. So one of the women was sharing how you know she was angry at her husband and I I was like, "Oh my goodness. I do remember being a little angry with Mark." Mm-hmm. And it made me feel bad. <laughs> Not until that person had said it. So obviously that was something I was
0: But yeah, I did that. I got that it was interesting actually. So the night before Charlie died, um I rang a counsellor through my employers because I was angry that he wasn't getting better. I, I knew it was irrational, but I'd kind of hit a peak on that Saturday where he wasn't getting better, and I couldn't do anything with Rebecca. I couldn't take her out for dinner. I couldn't take her to the cinema. Nothing was open. Everything was closed. No one could support me. No one could help me. And and so anger. And, but it was, it was, again, you, you kind of forget because you're dealing with the grief and you're dealing with everything else. And it, it, you kind of suddenly, and I look back now and I'm like, yeah, just listening to you speaking, Pamela. It's like, yeah, no, I did. That I was so. And I can remember ringing the counsellor going, I'm just so angry that he's not getting better. And I know this isn't rational because this isn't his fault. He's not trying to not get better, but why isn't he getting better? And, you know, I must've spent a good hour on the phone to a counsellor that night just talking through my anger. And I think... You know and then when i got the call the following morning to say he wasn't gonna make it you know i'm so glad i spoke and got that out of my head the night before because i think otherwise that would have then given me another layer of guilt to go well yesterday i was angry and now today i'm getting the call to say he's not gonna make it so
2: after anger loneliness
0: yeah loneliness and i think i said this in my last podcast but so if i did i'm repeating myself but there's the way i describe it is i'm not alone but I'm on my own now you know it's me that's making all the decisions it's my daughter's due to go to secondary school in September and I'm the one that's got to do those applications I'm the one that has to cook every single night and I didn't cook so for 21 years I did not cook to the point that if Charlie was away someone our friends and family would either invite us around for me or we'd do takeout. that's how little I cooked in 21 years and now I'm like every single night I have to do this and and there's just that feeling of having to do it all by yourself. And that does create a sense of loneliness. Um, You know, you get to the point where of an evening, there's no one to talk to. I mean, yes, you can pick up the phone, but sometimes, and I spoke to someone today and they were like, oh, you know, you can always ring me. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just something else to do. That's another effort like to pick up, ph- you know, it's, it's no, no disrespect to you. And, and I'd love to chat to you, but do you know what, when you've been going all day and you've been working and then you've been parenting and then you've been doing the chores that you're doing and you're doing everything to sit down and then suddenly, you know, if you don't stop till nine thirty, ten o'clock at night to then pick up the phone and go, Oh, I feel really rubbish today. It's too much effort. It's easier just to go, Oh, I'll just sit.
2: Yeah. You're sort of, you've, you're wearing every hat on you really. Yeah. Most of the time.
1: Yeah. That's an adjustment because it's like, it's exhausting to do everything. Like you don't have a break and like putting two kids to bed. I'm just like, Oh my goodness. It would have been a tag team thing. We'd have both of them. Now it's like one after the other, you know, it takes like bedtime is like, I dread it because I know it's going to take so much energy to like get through it. And then by the time they're in bed, I do just want to sit on the couch because I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, that's out. And like, sometimes when Elsie is like taking a little bit longer, I get like, start getting frustrated with her. Cause I'm just like, all I want to do is go sit on that couch. Elsie, yeah. you want. So sometimes I'll be like, I got to do work. Cause like, sometimes like that's receptive to her. Cause she knows when I'm teaching, like she can't come into my room. I have to work. So she's like, okay, mommy, I'm going to hurry. But it's just like, I feel so bad that I'm like, I'm rushing her because I should be enjoying like, the time with her but sometimes it's just after a long day I'm just like just get into bed please
2: so and how is Elsie I mean obviously Graham's too young but how is Elsie coping
1: I mean overall I feel like she's doing a lot better than she was at the beginning but she definitely has those moments and then those make me like go into like you know the sadder moments because it's exhausting to help her with her grief and then I think it brings out my grief Because, you know, I start and I grieve, like I said, at my first part, I grieve for her because she doesn't have her papa here. She doesn't have what she used to have. And she misses that. And I noticed the other day when I was uh, when she saw me on TV and she saw her papa. And there was a video of him doing row, row, row your boat. Like that definitely triggered her because then the rest of the day she like talked about him a lot. She missed him. She wanted to do things, you know, and that's, I want her to have those experiences because it's good for her to talk about it, but it breaks my heart that he isn't here to do that row, row, row your boat. She loved that, you know, overall for a two and a half year old, I say she's doing great, but. I still worry. I still worry if this is going to be something that's going to affect her for the rest of her life. Like, And she's not going to be able to, you know, adjust to this, so... Or have, like, you know, problems in school because, you know, everyone's talking about their papa and she doesn't have one and that makes her angry.
2: What about... I mean, obviously, this is not quite the future that you either of you had envisioned. So, I mean... Emma, you met Charlie when you were quite young. Well yeah. very, very young. <laughs> Was I 18 or thereabouts?
0: Yeah, we got together at my 18th birthday party.
2: So, I mean, obviously things are different now. Yeah. Um, how do you see the future? Have you got have you got different plans now or no thoughts at all? Or what are you thinking?
0: It's too overwhelming. It's you know, we we, we will survive and we will get through Um, and you know we sit there and we we talk about holidays and you know I keep saying to Rebecca I'm like when the world is safe we're going back to Disney because we will just escape you know we did a family holiday to Disney Christmas 2017.
2: Paris? No
0: Florida. Okay. Florida. Uh, We were out in Florida for two weeks and 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 I just it's just pure escapism and I keep going right we're going back one day when we can and that's about as far as my future stretches you know, I can't, I don't know what my future is. I don't, I can't plan my, I literally plan probably one day ahead, maybe two. And that is completely alien to me. I am such a planner. I am such a, you know, when I reference the holiday, you know, we have itineraries. So when we were in Disney, we had itineraries so that we knew what we were doing each day. You know, that's who I am. You know, I've got, um, I turned 40 this year and we knew what holiday we were doing for my 40th. We were coming out to the West Coast and we were going to fly down and go to San Francisco and do Monterey Bay and do all that. We knew what we were doing for it. And now I'm sitting here going, this is my first big birthday for one of us another phrase where he's not here. I've never had a big birthday without him. He was here for my 18th, my 21st, my 30th. What do, what do I do? And obviously, you know, he was at... He was admitted, I had to call 999 in the early hours of my birthday last year. So my birthday is always going to be a reminder of him going into hospital. I won't ever escape that day. It's not going to be one that will fade because it's there forever. And, you know, that's, I don't plan. In answer, the short answer to your question is I don't know what my future is.
2: Pamela, is that similar for you? or?
1: Well, it's so funny that last night... <laughs> the last zoom call me and Christina were talking about the minute lifts like everything is back to normal. We want to go to Disney. So maybe we'll meet you and we'll all go. Yeah. I mean, I w- I am a planner too, but right now it's like very hard because I also kind of like, don't know what I want for my future. And I feel like that's the first time in my life. Like I don't really know what I want, <laughs> you know, my career, I'm not sure about anymore. And Just there's a lot of uncertainty and like he's not here because he was always the one to be like you know I could talk to about those things and like he'd offer me advice and everything so I feel like there is just a lot of uncertainty like I have to figure out if I'm going to stay in this house you know there's a lot of things I need to figure out and it's very frightening so it's like you know I know I have to do one thing at a time but I wanted to
2: ask you about just the financial side of things I mean obviously you know There were two ages and now one. I mean,
1: how how are you coping? Is there help? Martin was a healthcare worker. I did receive a little bit of grant money because there is something called the Brave of Heart Fund, which I qualified for because he was a healthcare worker. But if he wasn't a healthcare worker, I wouldn't have gotten that extra sum of money. I really feel like um, something needs to be done for young families because it is a huge hit to lose half of your income. And life is expensive. Like I feel like now my entire paycheck goes to like everything expense, like there's nothing like to save now. So that's frightening because I've always been very good at like saving money. So I have like money in the future, but now it's, you know, and then I worry about the kids' education because education is not cheap in the United States to go to college. And it's just, I feel like things need to be done to alleviate that stressor
2: what about you Emma yeah so you at work Emma or yeah Yeah. I am
0: I am back working and I've been like the support from my employers has just been second to none I've been so so so, and I, I I don't I don't take that for granted actually I really am aware of how lucky I've been with that support Um, I think because of Charlie's cancer scare when he was younger the life insurances were in place so you know we there was life insurance and there was a pension, but I think absolutely you suddenly go down To one salary and actually, you know, I do still have a mortgage. It's not like the life insurance has wiped my mortgage out I've still got a mortgage But I've still got everything like everything is still the same or the bills are still the same You know if I if we want to go on holiday, that's still the same I'm gonna to need to get a new car at some point. Well, I've got to pay for that by myself You know, you start to suddenly go all right. My mortgage is smaller but everything else is still the same. It's not all been halved just because he's not here. And I think there is a there is a benefit in the UK um, that you can get. But again, to your point, Pamela, I'm lucky because we were married um, and I had a child. Because in the UK, if you're not married, you don't qualify for that bereavement support payment. So I know I've seen through the charity Widowed and Young that I've been... Really benefited from, but there are hundreds, if not probably thousands, of families that have gone through a nightmare like this, and they qualify for no help from the government because they weren't married, even though they might have been together for like twenty years and have got a fifteen-year-old and a thirteen-year-old. Because they're not married, they they don't get it. And there's also an element of that only lasts for eighteen months, and then there's no support at all. So you know, the fact I work and I still have my salary means we can stay in our house and we can keep going and for that I'm I'm lucky because there's so many other people that go through this nightmare who don't have that afforded to them and it's crazy to think that you don't there isn't that support in the in the UK
2: do you feel do you feel overlooked um, what how do you feel I mean I mean both in terms of sort of recognition of what you've been through in terms of the government And then also people talking about getting back to normal how do you feel about all of that
0: i think the numbers in the uk make it easy to forget and it's probably very similar in the us it's very easy to forget that there are families and so when it hit a hundred thousand and there was a big thing about how oh we've hit a hundred thousand that is a shocking figure in my opinion we But you multiply that. You multiply that by how many people are grieving those 100,000. How many people, family, friends, colleagues, you know, how many people have actually been affected by that 100,000? And, you know, it's an interesting, and there was a post doing the rounds on social media probably about a month or so ago that made me really angry because it said the numbers are becoming names and the names are becoming people we know. They've always been people we know. Whether, you know, the very first death was a person that somebody knew. This isn't new just because the numbers are reaching a lot or the numbers are getting a lot higher. That doesn't make it more scary. It has been scary since the word go. It has been someone's mother, brother, father, daughter, sister since this started in March and April. It shouldn't reach this point now before that photo was doing the rounds on social media. And it just made me really angry. So I guess there probably is an element of feeling overlooked.
1: Yeah. Pamela, any thoughts on that? I, I mean, I definitely feel like here I'm overlooked. I feel like too because, you know, my husband was a healthcare worker. But you don't really hear about the healthcare workers dying. You don't really hear about the young widows and that's why I felt like I was alone until, you know, I heard other stories. And then even just like the young little kids. I feel like and I'm I am in all these little boxes but you don't really that nothing's really talked about them so I do kind of feel overlooked and that's partly why I've really tried to share my story because I'm annoyed that we're not mm-hmm. talked about more and the same thing with the numbers like it's like 420,000 now here yeah that's a lot of people mm-hmm. but you know it's but when Martin died I think it was at 60,000 or something like that And it's just like, but he still was a person. He was still loved by so many. So many people miss him. He was loved by so many. And it's just like, it was just more about the numbers and not the people. Yeah,
0: and I think it's easy to forget the people involved. And I think it has been... And, and I put a social media post out last week and, you know, I was like, you know, in this year that's not allowed for normal grief, in inverted commas, you know, please don't forget, you know, please remember all of these people in your thoughts because that's it, none of us have been able to grieve properly. None of us. And that's really, really hard. And, and I, you know, you look ahead and you just think, the next year, the next two years, all these people that have had this grief that they can't hug people and they can't get the support they need and they can't get the love and the care and process the grief in a normal way you know what what will that do in a year two years you know i i look at rebecca and i'm like she's literally been stuck with me she you know there's charities can't even support her in the way they might have once been able to because they can't work because of all the lockdown rules what is that going to do to this generation this generation of children that are growing up minus a parent some even maybe even minus two parents, you know, there's a whole generation of kids that are going to be growing up living with the outcome of this pandemic. And that's when you, when you look at it in that way, I think it's the kids that are being overlooked more than anything because they've got their entire future. You know, she was 10 when, when Charlie died, she has her entire future ahead of her with only one parent now. And it, it makes you reassess your own mortality as well. But I'm, I sit there now and I'm like, well, if something happens to me, she's, she's got no one. Like it just makes you reassess. And, and I, you know, Pamela, I don't know if you're the same, but I sit there and like you second guess every decision you make now because I'm like, well, nothing can happen. And I'm all she's got. And that's
1: overwhelming. Yeah. I feel that same way. And then I feel like the way when the vaccine started to come out, I was just like, I need to get that vaccine to protect myself. So I am here for my kids because my kids can't lose another parent, you know, mm-hmm. and I just feel I was like so frustrated that it was so difficult to schedule an appointment. And I was like, I even felt overlooked there because it's like, why can't you just like say, hey, if you lost your husband and you're the only one your child has, why can't we be at the front of the line? Our lives matter. Our husband sacrificed. They died. We deserve to get that vaccine so that we're here for our kids or at least have like a better, you know, chance to mm-hmm. be there. Cause it is frightening. I think about that all the time that if something happens to me, um, they've lost both parents and that would be devastating.
2: Have you been vaccinated, Emma? Not yet.
1: No, no, I won't qualify for a very long
2: time. Yeah. Based on. Can I ask, how are you missing him, Charlie? I just miss his, he's being here. I miss,
0: I I think there's an interesting, the way that the French say it, is you are missing from me. If you do a literal translation of I miss you in French, it's you are missing from me. I think it's that, like you just, I just miss him. It's so hard to explain, but he's just, he's not here. And that's becoming, the longer this goes on, it's almost the harder it goes on. You know, we had, a close family member was 18 um, recently and I was doing the card and I was doing the present to take around. And I literally, I just broke down. I just burst into tears. And, you know, Rebecca's like, what's the matter? And I was like, he should be here for this. Why isn't he here? Like, he'd have done something really special or, you know, why isn't he here? You know, and I I look at pictures and, you know, because he was in his bands and I found an old DVD of him singing from a family member's wedding um, from 2007. And I watched it. And I I sit there and I'm still like, I don't understand how he's never coming home. Even now, it's still, I just don't understand it. And I think that's what I miss. I I just miss his presence. I miss him being here. I miss having someone to bounce ideas off of. I miss someone to parent with, you know, the good cop, the bad cop side of parenting. I don't do that. I am both cops now. I miss the fact he used to cook for me. You know, it's the little things. It's like we got to Christmas and, you know, my sister helped rebecca sort a present for me because rebecca didn't know how to do it without daddy you know i wouldn't have worried if she hadn't got me a present but you know that's what she didn't know what to do because that's what daddy does and there's just so much that's ingrained all of the time and and he's just not here it's just his
2: presence he's just not here what about you paola
1: i feel the same like i miss him being around Like, you know, when the kids are in bed having that time where we would just talk or watch TV or, I mean, it's kind of lonely when you don't have your person with you. And just, yeah, like I miss, I miss having some of those like dishes that only he could cook, you know, I'm like. What kind of thing? Like he would. He was very good at doing the real complicated type of recipes where I'm just like, I want something quick and like done in like 20 minutes. And, but he would take his time and make like paella. So I, so like the day I was like, I'm never going to have that again because he's never going to make it for me again. You know, and I miss his little surprises. Like sometimes he would just go to the grocery store after work and like bring me something special from the grocery store because he would, he like saw like a special cookie and it looked like something I would like, or he knew I liked pumpkin and oh, there was like this pumpkin little pie thing, you know, just like those thoughtful little things that he would do for me. So I kind of miss that. And like Christmas, it was different because, you know, he always planned the gifts like months in advance, you know, I didn't get anything for well for Christmas from my kids this year. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna have anyone go take a two year old to pick something out. But like, just knowing that he would have made it special. And like at Christmas, I was like, hmm, I wonder what he would have gotten me. So it's just like those little things. Cause he was such a, he loved, he just got so excited when it was time to get me a gift, you know? And like, he would always, and I miss him saying, oh, there's a lot of pressure during the holidays. because it's Christmas. And then three days later, it's your birthday. I need to keep them separate, but I've <laughs> got to make sure. And I got to make sure it's separate, but it's like a lot to think about, you know? And I, you know, I missed him saying that because every year he would say it was a lot of pressure. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's when I was born. So, <laughs> but you know, and even just his like silly little, he was adorable. i That's how I describe him. But he just had all these, like, dad jokes and stuff. And I just miss him, like, coming up with something silly. Like, sometimes it would, I would be like, I don't understand what you just said to me. And then he'd be like, you didn't get that? And I was like, no. I just miss all that kind of stuff.
0: And I, I think the
1: thing that I was unprepared for was just,
0: and it sounds silly to say it, but just how different my life was going to be. Like, I knew it, but... Everything about my life is different, everything. I don't, we're halfway through watching a series, a box set, I can't watch it. Because at the start of it, it was Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And at the start of it, there was a, there's an actor called Joe Truglio, And his name really used to make me smile. And every time the title came up, I would look at Charlie and I would say his name and he would roll his eyes at me. I can't bear to watch that because he's not here for me to say that to, you know. I don't have spicy food anymore because Rebecca doesn't like it. I love a Chinese. I love spicy food, but there's no point because it's just me. And, you know, so I don't watch the same TV. I don't eat the same food. Everything has changed. My entire world has been uprooted and nothing is the same. That's hard to get your head around.
2: So you feel uh, like a different person?
0: Yeah. And in fact, to the point, I don't really know who I am.
1: Yeah. You're like finding out about yourself. Like I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And I know I'm a very different person. And I feel like some of what Martin used to do is like, now I'm like, kind of like taking what he did and doing it. Like I, cause I was, I'm a very shy person, but, and I never really used to speak up for myself, but lately it's just like, I have to advocate for myself now because he's not there to do it. Cause I would sometimes lean on him to do it, but it's just like, now I feel like sometimes I'm like, after I do something, I'm like, wow, I just pulled a Martin there. <laughs> so it is like totally, I'm a different person. And it's like hard, it, like, I'm learning myself. And I'm like 37. Yeah. And I thought I knew who I was. But apparently, I kind of don't. Because now I'm thrown into like this unexpected challenge. And now I have to figure out who I am. And I'm 37. And it's a scary thing. I had myself figured out.
0: And I think, and I know the vaccines are giving people hope and I I know that people, but this feels like a very long tunnel to me. And yes, there might be a speck of light at the end of it, but I think for me, you know, I've booked Charlie's memorial service because we weren't able to do a proper funeral. And I'd, I'd booked that for his birthday this year, which is in July. And I sit here now going, I don't even know if I'll be able to do that. I don't know whether that will happen because I don't know what the restrictions are going to be and the regulations. And we we need that as a family, as friends, as people, we need to come together and grieve for him and to celebrate his life. And I sit here now and I'm like, do you know what? I'll do whatever it takes to get that to happen in July. But I don't know if it will. I don't know. I think I want to try my aim for this year is to try and find a new normal and a new rhythm for rebecca and i and to try and just be if you like and the next phase in our grief is trying to find that new rhythm for the two of us and that's been really hard because there is no there's no way of doing that at the moment and you know if i could achieve one thing by the end of the year it would be that to have got ourselves into that new normal which is a very cliched phrase and i hate it but that's what we need to do we We need to find our new normal without him. And we've not been able to do that in any way, shape or form because of all of the lockdowns and the restrictions and all of that. We're just in, we're stuck in limbo and it's draining. Absolutely draining.
2: What about you, Pamela, the year ahead? Any thoughts? I,
1: I, you know, and I think Emma's right. Like life kind of has to normalize before we can find our normal because life isn't normal right now. And I feel like that's the difficult part of like trying to figure out your new self, your new like way of life, because life isn't, I haven't been to a grocery store in like over a year and a half, you know, because I get everything delivered. That is not normal. So I just feel like it's very hard to like move forward with figuring out life when life is not normal. And I feel that holds us back a little bit with our grief because There isn't any normalcy in this world right now. So it's really challenging. I'm just hoping things start to get better because when Martin died, I didn't think we would still be in like these huge numbers of people losing their lives. So I'm just really hoping that things start to get better with COVID. It's going to take a long time, like Emma said. Like, yes, COVID might start to, you know, decrease and dwindle, but the impact it has had is going to be years before anything is you know it's going to take time and I think people need to know like realize that and the same thing like everyone was so excited about 2021 and I'm like in my head I'm like it's not going to be any different than 2020 at the end of the year like it's not like we're going to jump into 2021 and everything's going to disappear and COVID's just going to be the past covid is very present and it's always going to be present for us people might move yeah. on from this like who weren't affected but it will always be something that we will never forget because mm-hmm. it had this huge impact on our lives our children's lives our families' lives our friends lives
0: but you know and just just hearing that and just is another example of a similarity so i've not been into a supermarket since the 20th of march last year because no. Uh, so i've done the same i've done delivery because we always did the shopping together that's what we did when my daughter did her dance lessons we would go and we'd trundle around and we'd do the shopping together i don't want to do it without him that's that's not my life so i've not done it and you know rebecca is just like mommy when are we going to go to a supermarket when are we going to go to a shop and i'm like we might uh, why do we need to like the food gets delivered now and I i don't want to bump into people I think that's the other thing about this situation is I don't want to bump into someone that might go, how are you doing? Or want to talk to me about him in a shop because that's too hard. So yeah, I'm, I'm hitting nearly 11 months of never being of not going
2: into a shop. Pamela, any thoughts about a memorial for Martin or just?
1: Well, you know, uh, I, I thought maybe it would happen in his birthday last year and his birthday is February 24th. So obviously it's not happening then. Yeah. I'm kind of just waiting for it to like be normal because I want people to be able to come and celebrate his life. And I don't want it to just be 25 people and I have to select the like lucky 25. He deserves something beautiful and he- like everyone who loved him should be able to get here and, you know, honor him and celebrate him. So I have no idea when that's going to be. I'm kind of waiting to see when it starts getting better.
2: Yeah. So can I just ask, is there anything that either of you particularly want to say just about your loss, you know, nine months or and or about the virus? Any message that you want to put out there?
1: I mean, this virus is devastating. It has really destroyed so many families lives. What is so hurtful is people still saying that it's not that bad. Every time I hear that or like people brush it off, it so frustrates me because I just know what it can do. And some people are very lucky and they barely get it. And luckily, I was one of those people because, you know, I did get sick after my husband got into the hospital and I never told him because I wanted him to focus on him getting better. And yes, I'm one of the lucky ones who didn't really get that sick. But there are so many people who have lost their lives to this, so many healthy people who have lost their lives to this, so many young people who have lost their lives to this. And I get so annoyed every time someone knows that my husband was young. They have to ask me, oh, well, what underlying health condition did he have? I cannot tell you how angry that makes me because just because he was young doesn't mean that he had something wrong with him because this virus doesn't discriminate. And I really feel like that needs to be heard. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care who you are. You can get it and you can possibly die. So take it seriously, wear a mask and do what you need to do to stop this from happening to other families. That's what I like to say.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I would just absolutely echo that. I've sadly, one of my closest friends has lost her partner to COVID um, at the start of the year. And that's that's really hard to take because you don't, as much as you want someone to know what you're going through, now someone very, very close to me does. I don't want her to know what it's like. I want to go back to not only relying on people that I've never met before who get it. And I think it's that. I think when it hits you and, and you, you watch someone else that you love going through this, it reminds you of just how deadly this virus is. You know, again, he was healthy. No underlying medical conditions, young, and it's it's just devastating. And and I think it's that there are so 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 many families whose lives are being turned upside down. That it, as Pamela says, you know, when people go, "Oh, it's a hoax, it's made up," I'm like, seriously? No, it, it's not, and it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't sit there and you know choose its victims. Anyone can get this. Anyone can just fall ill, and you know. There's no rhyme or reason as to whether you suffer mildly or whether you suffer badly with it. There is, you know, I don't know whether Rebecca and I were asymptomatic, but we were never ill. Yet we were in the house with Charlie for eight days before he went into ITU. There's there's no logic behind this virus. And I think that that's what people really just need to be aware of, is that it doesn't discriminate. There is no logic. And it could literally be you or someone you love.
2: So, I mean, obviously... You know, you're in fairly regular contact and have been a sort of mutual support. Are there plans to meet up when you can at some point
1: in the future? I told her when I do get to England, I would love to make a trip to see her because, you know, Martin's family lives in the UK and obviously they want to see their grandchildren and cousins and nieces and nephews. So, I mean, once we're able to travel, Normally, we're definitely going to be there. So, yes, there has been mention. Yeah. And if she's going to go to Disney World. I will go to Disney World. Yeah, I love,
0: and, and I've, I've said this to Pamela as well, you know, New York is one of my favorite cities in the world. I, I will take any excuse to come out to New York. But, you know, but I think it's that. It's, you know, I, I do strongly believe that one day it will happen. Who knows when, when the world can travel. I, I, I do, and I, it will be incredibly emotional. I have no doubt about that to form a bond in this way and a connection and then to finally meet whenever that happens will be incredibly emotional
2: so it's something that something good that's come out of tragedy
0: yeah and you know the, the Facebook group that Pamela has set up supporting so many people um is just invaluable like you read the stories and it's so comforting I think is the word to be able to just Share your story and have somebody go, "Yeah, I'm here for you," and "Yeah, I get it." There's just so many, and that in itself is just so heartbreaking, but so valuable that people have found it and are benefiting from it.
2: Brilliant. Well, well done, Hamala. And I'm sure it's a lot of work
1: (laughs) moderating
2: it all, and
1: (laughs) you know, to know that people are being helped and feel supportive that's all worth it. But you know, what's so funny how you said the hoax thing. So the NBC article about the kids, I saw a comment and someone was like, I had to look up these people to make sure they actually real. So someone had to look up to make sure that I was real. That made me so mad. I'm like, what do you think? I'm a fake person faking this whole story. I was so offended because they're like, I can't believe news anymore
2: fake news yeah Yeah, they
1: think i'm fake news i'm like a fake person i was just like people i just don't i can't explain that
2: yeah we're living in a mad, mad times aren't we really okay thank you very much